We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Looks like uh, Popper is a fan of our little intro there. So uh, happy yeah, to be here. Yeah, you guys got it going. We're rocking out out here. Let's yes. Go. Yeah, we do. So obviously, uh, have a special guest today, Mr. Daniel Popper, who covers the athletic for the Chargers, or covers the Chargers for the athletic. Excuse me. I had it backwards there. But uh, Pop, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? Doing great. Happy to be on anytime. Yeah, happy to have you anytime. So, uh, as always, our interview today is brought to you by our friends over at ExpressVPN, where you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty to start your free trial of a VPN network today. So, that being said, uh, we did get some breaking news this week. Really excited about it, personally. And that, of course, is the Mike Williams contract extension. Um, I kind of figured, and I know you did as well, that the franchise tag was... at least a serious possibility up until a few days ago. So uh, what's kind of your general reaction here with that not happening as opposed to, you know, the contract extension that did happen? Yeah, well, well, I think it was an option. Um, You know, obviously I think the preference all along was to get the long-term extension done, but you can use the franchise tag as a mechanism just to give yourself more time to negotiate. So if they had tagged Mike Williams ahead of the deadline on Tuesday, they would have had till July 15th. To then negotiate a long-term extension and i would expect they would have gotten it de- done in that time frame but it seemed like both sides wanted to get something long-term done obviously we've heard over and over again you know what mike williams means to the organization we've heard it from the coaching staff we've heard it from tom telesco himself and, and so obviously there was some motivation there to get this done and to lock mike williams up long term um you know just looking at the numbers we finally got sort of access to to the full contract details you know maybe an hour an hour and a half ago via um over the cap yeah and basically they were able to get some cap relief you know the 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 franchise tag would have been 18.4 million against the cap they were able to get that down to a 14 million dollar cap hit for uh 2022 just the way they structured the contract um and then it was 19 in 2023 and then 27 in 2024 and and yeah. basically how it's structured so, so the, the, the the surprising part of the contract to me was just how much guaranteed money he got you don't typically see that percentage of guaranteed money in a contract like just, just for example right mike got 
40 million fully guaranteed at signing on a $60 million deal. Amari Cooper got the same amount of guaranteed money, fully guaranteed $40 million on a $100 million deal. So, so you rarely see it get yeah. even above 50% in terms of fully guaranteed at signing. So it's a great job by, uh, for Mike's camp. But basically, the, the fully guaranteed money effectively ended up coming out to exactly what two tags would equal to. So the yeah. tag this year would have been 18.4, and then it would have gone up 120% for a second tag. So you basically would have been out 40 million guaranteed for two tags. That's basically what the first two years of this contract ended up equating to. And then after that, so, so 7 million and 12 million in base salary in 2022 and 23, that's all guaranteed. And then a $21 million signing bonus, which is all guaranteed. That's prorated over the three years. And then he has the $20 million base salary in 2024. That's not guaranteed. So if they wanted to cut him after two seasons and they would save that $20 million and they'd have a $7 million dead money charge. So, um, but I, you know, I wrote about this yesterday. I mean, Mike Williams obviously has a really unique dynamic skill set, and we all see that. Kind of, we saw that kind of flourish last year. I yeah. think the coaching staff deserves a, deserves a lot of credit for how they used him and having that vision for him. That's a big part in how this contract came to be. But the other part of it is just how tough Mike Williams is, how available he is. Like I know he had that back injury his rookie season, and he's sort of been labeled as injury prone as a result. And yes, he has battled through injuries, but the key word there is that he has battled and he has continued to play. Right. I mean, he had a serious bone bruise uh, in 2019 and played that entire season. Um, I mean, he injured it, if you remember, in the Lions game in week two, um, the same game that Adrian Phillips broke his arm um, in, in Detroit. Mike was diving for a ball down the left sideline, landed on his knee, and that was something he battled through all season. He still put up a thousand yards. Yeah, I mean, he was hurt, and then at the end of that Raiders game, he was hurt. Like he was really hurt. And every after every catch, you couldn't see it on the TV broadcast, but at the stadium, after every catch, he was going to the sideline. Yes. He was just crouching on the sideline, head down, just in so much pain. He just kept coming coming back out and making play after play after play after play. I went back and checked. He had 13 targets in the final <laughs> eight minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime of that game. He had 111 yards receiving, game-tying touchdown, five conversions, first down conversions, two of which came on fourth down. That was like the epitome of what Mike Williams means to this team and why they value him so much is just because he's willing to fight through anything that might be happening with his body to continue to perform for the team. So I think it's a good deal for both sides. Um, obviously the guaranteed thing, money thing is the, is, is what stands out, but you know, some people might say they overpaid for him. Um, but just knowing what Mike Williams means to this team, not just as a player, but you know, as a leader, as a teammate, what he means to Justin Herbert, right. right in his development. Um, I think it, it was something that made sense for both sides and, and I'm sure the chargers and Mike Williams are just ecstatic that this, this was able to get done long-term. Yeah. I mean, to your point about the injuries, like we didn't think that he would play week one last year in Cincinnati. And then he ended up not really having any long-term issues with, uh, the AC joint sprain, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, Tyler and I were at that game in Las Vegas and, you know, on the second to last drive, I remember the Raiders called timeout and, you know, all the players are all going back to the, the sidelines and stuff like that. And Mike Williams was just on a knee, man. Like he was just gassed and then had another final drive and then overtime on top of that. So right. 47 um, yard slam yeah. that he took for crosser that he took for down the sideline that set up the field goal yeah i mean he was he was unbelievable in that game he really was and and i love the way that in, in your story which uh, if you're listening to this and are not subscribed to the athletic i think you're making a big mistake please go and do that and support uh, mr popper so um I, I love the way that you worded it though that in, in winning time and crunch time he went back to his uh most reliable most trustworthy uh target and i think that is so true that you bring up the justin herbert thing and sure you could 
find a cheaper replacement. I mean, the Chargers are the first team with two $20 million receivers now, but you're not replacing that chemistry. You're not replacing that relationship that Justin and Mike Williams have developed over the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their relationship really, really blossomed last season and, and there, there's a real trust there. And, you know, the other thing that I mentioned in the story was just how big of a factor Mike Williams was in the RPO game and what they call their advantage look game. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of those times when, when Justin would take the quick, you know, one step drop, maybe three step drop and, and fire a mic on a fade, on a smoke, on a slant. Um, those were all, you know, run calls in the huddle that Justin checked out of because he saw Mike one on one. And it sort of goes back to the vision that they had for him. They're like, Mike Williams isn't just a 50 50 guy, right? He, he's probably the best at, at doing that of any receiver in the league, but he can be more than that. And he can be a complete receiver. He, he means so much to this offense. And, you know, Keenan Allen is that guy on third down. You, like, you know, Keenan's going to be able to win in the slot if he's one-on-one sometimes even if he's double covered in those key situations but like having mike williams on the outside of keenan right in those key situations like if teams are going to try and take away the middle of the field take keenan away take him take those whip routes away take those slants away that that makes keenan so great like you're going to get single coverage with mike and that's what ended up happening with this offense was was justin had a second option that he trusted that he could go to and because teams were playing to defend Keenan so often in those key situations, Mike became that option for Justin, uh, you know, sort of just, just the way that it unfolded, the way the teams were defending. Uh, he was an essential part of what this offense did last year. And that's why they resigned him. Because like you said, they could go find somebody else, but nobody, nobody can do what Mike Williams can do. And, and all of a sudden you bring a new receiver in and you have to rebuild that chemistry. Yeah. It takes time. Like these are human beings at the end of the day. I know we all, you know, we, we like to talk about sports like these guys don't like the human element doesn't exist, but like relationships matter. And at quarterback trusting receiver in key moments, that matters. And it takes a full season, you know, to build that trust. And, and Mike and, and Justin already have it. And I think that's part of the value you're seeing in the contract um, in, in terms of how the Chargers look at Mike Williams. Yeah, I mean, it's taken a couple of seasons for that really to, to take off. So um, obviously we know now that the Chargers have their two receivers locked in. I think Austin Eckler is a fantastic third receiver there you know we'll see kind of what happens at tight end but i do think it's safe to say the chargers do need another playmaker whether it's tight end receiver do you think that's josh palmer or do you think that we could see them maybe go out and get a a fourth playmaker so to speak in free agency next week right so i i like josh palmer and i think we saw that game that keenan missed when they sort of just inserted josh palmer into the keenan role what what he was able to do i mean he caught yeah. that touchdown on that little out route from the slot and it just like he, it looked exactly like how keenan would do it which is yeah. really impressive for a rookie so I, I think he does a lot of great things right he can operate in the slot he can operate out wide he's good in contested catch situations he's big he's physical he can run after the catch but the element they're missing is speed and that this was brought up a lot last year you know Jalen Guyton is that guy, right? But if you only have one of those guys, everyone knows what's happening when he's on the field. Yeah. And Brandon Staley sort of alluded to this in his combine presser that like, yeah, you want speed, but you don't want everyone to know that when that guy's on the field, he's just going to be running a go route because it's very easy to take that away. And, and that's sort of what happened with this team last year. It's like, okay, you know, you had a personnel package with Josh Palmer as your wide receiver three. You knew that, you you know, Mike Williams was really the only guy that could, that could access the deep part of the field in that personnel grouping. And then all of a sudden when you brought Jalen Guyton on, for for josh palmer teams could be like okay they brought their speed guy on they're probably going to try a deep shot and and that happened a lot i know it's, and, and fans got really frustrated because they're you know lombardi is is you know putting training wheels on, on on justin and they're not throwing the ball down the field enough 
Guyton was running those routes. Go watch the tape. He was running those routes. They were calling play action shot plays. But when Jalen Guyton's on the field and they're running play action, everyone knows what you're doing. He's going to yeah. go run one of the, a deep post, and the, the deep field safety knows exactly what's coming. It happened over and over and over again. So you can, go, you can go back and watch it if you want to. So the key here is bringing in another guy with speed so that you have many different personnel packages. So when you come out with a personnel package with speed in it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be taking a deep shot and, 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 and sort of you know muddies up your um, – you know, your, the trends of your offense and, and creates more variety, more variability in, in, in what you're going to do. So I think they're going to go out and they're going to add speed to the offense via receiver. The question is, is it free agency or is it through the draft? I think if if one of these receivers, like Chris Olave, for example, if he's there at 17, I would not be surprised if they go in that, that direction. Jameson Williams, I know he's coming off the ACL. 17 might be a little high, but hey, maybe they trade back. If they feel like there's going to be a few wide receivers there late in the round, late late in the first round that they could go get, I think that's an option. But I really feel like there's a lot of deep options in free agency as far as speed that they could get really cheap. I mean, I I, I threw out Tricon Smith from from the Saints, obviously familiar with um, Lombardi's offense. Russell Gage is another option. DJ Chark. Um, I know someone mentioned Christian Kirk in uh, my live room today. He has the speed, but he's been more successful as a slot receiver. He doesn't really have the size that. Maybe the targets right. we're looking for on the edge, like Guyton, for example, is like six two. He's a pretty big body, and he also has that speed. But there, there are options where you know if they could find a guy on the cheap with that speed at, in free agency, like that's that's absolutely a route they can go. And maybe they don't have to spend a premium pick on on wide receiver. But I, I think that's something they have to add. Um, tight ends, another uh, position you you brought up. You know, before the combine, I thought that they were going to be comfortable re-signing Steven Anderson and going in with those three guys: Trey McKitty, Steven Anderson, Donald Parham. Um, after leaving the combine, I'm pretty much on the other end of the spectrum. I'm, I'm pretty convinced they're going to bring in a tight end. Um, now, obviously, and I talked about this in my live room today as well. Obviously, the you know everyone thought this was going to be like a historic tight end free agency group, and then all of a sudden, all these guys Everybody get tagged. <laughs> yeah, and Joku, right? Everyone got tagged yesterday, so it's not as great as it once was. You know, I wouldn't rule out bringing back Jared Cook. Um, just veteran presence, a, a guy in there. I think. What it comes down to is Donald Parham is still a little bit away in his development from being a good enough blocker to where they can rely on him as that number one tight end. That's sort of where it's at right now. Um, so I, if they're going to, you know, I think they're going to bring somebody in. I think it's going to be a free agent. I'd be surprised if they go the drafted rookie again, um, just after taking Trey McKitty last year, but I think they're going to add there. And then the other two spots on offense, I'm sure we'll get to the offensive line because it wouldn't be a Daniel Popper appearance and the guilty <laughs> as charged podcast if we didn't. We didn't talk about the offensive line, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm convinced now that they're going to uh, that they're not going into the season with Storm Norton at right tackle. So I think they're going to look to add a right tackle. Um, you know, the free agent right tackle market is kind of meh, like Morgan Moses, maybe. But, you know, I, I feel like they'd be better off drafting somebody. And I think there'll be some tackles there in the second and third round that they potentially throw in the mix to compete with Norton and Pipkins just to create as much competition over there as possible. But running back too. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big spot, right? Like. They need to find a reliable option behind Austin Eckler. Um, do they draft another running back and sort of throw him in the mix with Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly? Um, you know, I just Justin Jackson has been super productive when he's been on the field. I mean, really productive. I mean, if you look at his yards per touch last season, he was top 10 in the league for running backs with touches of 75 or more. Problem is he can't stay on the field. And you need that second option to be available like that. He has to be on, he yeah. has to be active every game or else he's not really providing the value that you need behind Eckler. So they go in free agency and they look for a running back that could provide that availability and reliability and free agency, a veteran guy with a, a proven track record of staying on the field. The one guy I keep coming back to is Chase Edmonds. 
just because of his ability to to affect the game as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Yeah. I think he fit Lombardi's scheme really well, and he's young and he doesn't have a lot of mileage, right? Um, I'd have to check, but I think he's he's 26 going on 27. I'm pretty sure, young. That's regardless, right, yeah. he's definitely he's in his mid 20s, um, and I think he'd be a fit. And, and I think he, you know, he only has 14, 419 carries in his career, so not a lot of mileage. That's a player that would make a lot of sense from a Chargers perspective because they love going after guys who they feel like have their best football in front of them. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, aren't older and, and have the potential of, of being injured for the most part, unless they, they're backed into a corner and they have to, like, you know, sign Brian Belaga or something like that. But if you look at their signings over the course of Telesco's tenure, it's mostly younger players who they feel like have potential. So Chase Edmonds. And then the other guy that I, w- I wouldn't rule out is Cordaro Patterson just because of all the connections there. You know, Staley yeah. coached him in junior college in the early 2010s at Hutchinson in Kansas. Um, Ryan Ficken obviously coached him, the new special teams coordinator in Minnesota. 31 going on 32, you know, but he kind of found he's got one year of running back. Right. Kind of found a, this role last year with the Falcons and, and it's used properly creatively in Lombardi's offense. That's an interesting piece. Um, so I think free agency for running back too, but yeah, the, like I know everyone's focused on the defense, but I expect some activity um, in the draft and free agency to, to sort of bolster this offense. Yeah. I mean, we, we have kind of said the same thing. Like I think, you know, the defense is going to be better just based off of another year in the system, right? With, with, with Brandon Staley and, you know, hopefully some of those dropped interceptions don't become dropped interceptions next year. And obviously you add to the defense, but uh, you know, it makes sense to add some, some pieces like you were saying with the, with the running backs or tight ends or something like that. Uh, but let's talk about that defense. Obviously there's a lot of smoke right now that the chargers are poking around the top tier of the cornerback market. Kind of how do you see that playing out? Do you think they are able to be successful in J.C. Jackson, or you think they kind of get in that second tier with Charvarius Ward or uh, Dante Jackson, Stephen Nelson kind of range? Yeah, I think it's all on the table. Um, you know, I, you know, I think where there's smoke, there's fire, and I think that you know Staley put in no uncertain terms. Like we are always looking for cornerbacks, right. so. Um, and it's kind of interesting, like Telesco and Staley are very different in how they approach their public appearances. <laughs> so different. <laughs> um, right. Telesco, you pretty much have to assume that whatever Tom Telesco says, the opposite is true. With Staley, he more or less tries to give you an idea of what of what the plan is without giving away too much. So when he says something, typically that's exactly what the Chargers are thinking. So, you know, I don't think it was a mistake that he went out there and said, listen, like we're always going to be looking for cornerbacks. Um, and, and I think that's an indication of sort of what he feels like they need defensively and also an indication of, of you know, where the value is in free agency. And there are a lot of cornerbacks, you know, hit, that are going to hit the open market. DJ Reed is another name I'll throw in there from, from the Seahawks. He had an outstanding year last year and, and could be a potential option. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're going to be in the mix, you know, whether it's that tier two or tier one. I, I certainly think they're going to poke around and try and find a premium cornerback to add to this group and the one thing that came out of the combine was that you know Staley's open to moving Asante Samuel into the slot that's really interesting to me because last year it was like they put him in there in training camp and he played well he functioned in there fine um but they really kept him outside because they were like the strategy here is we're going to give him one position make sure he's comfortable and make sure he gets off to a good start and that happened right it was a good strategy but now they feel like he's more comfortable and they feel like he can play inside. So that gives them the flexibility. Like, hey, we can go out and get a J.C. Jackson, right? Go spend heavily on a cornerback, get a premium guy on the outside, move Asante into the slot, and then, you know, have Michael Davis too. You know, potentially in, in base packages, you could take Michael Davis off the field and put Asante on the outside. 
Um, and then in the draft, I think there are going to be some interesting options as far as, as slot guys. Uh, whether you look at the safety group, there's some slot flexibility there. Cam Taylor Britt is a guy that I, I, I mocked to the, to the Chargers. Um, he, yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think he would be a really good fit. And all of a sudden you bring in a slot corner in the, so just, you know, moving the ball ahead, right? You bring in a slot corner in the mid rounds, right? You sign a premium outside guy. All of a sudden you've got Asante, you've got Michael Davis, you've got a premium outside guy. You've got a, you know, Cam Taylor Britt, for example, um, you've got Mark Webb who can play in the slot. You've got those nitro packages where you can move Derwin down there into the slot. All of a sudden, you've got the type of chess pieces that Brandon Staley is used to having in the secondary. So he can sort of mix and match when he has all of his guys. And then if he doesn't have all of his guys, he has the depth to weather injuries, which was the biggest issue, you know, with this secondary last year. Just, you know, some of these depth guys coming in, Tavon Campbell, um, Trey Marshall coming in and just you know, getting exposed out there. That was a real issue, you know, in the middle part of the season before, you know, Chris Harris refound himself and they got Asante and Michael Davis back from those injuries. Yeah. I mean, I forget the exact number, but I mean, you wrote about it several times, the 60 some odd different combinations or whatever the, the number was. Yeah. It only took with. me, it only took me seven hours to find <laughs> to the final number. <laughs> I think I tweeted out a photo of the, of the, of my notebook. Yeah, you did. That day. Yeah. It took me, it took me, it took me an entire day to freaking get that number. But yeah, it was, it was insane. The number of different combinations they used. Yeah. That's another thing. Hopefully you get some positive regression in terms of the health back there. Um, what do you make of the safety group? Because I know, you know, Staley has kind of, you know, hinted at playing some more dime in the past. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think we've seen very little of Alohi Gilman and Mark Webb. Do you think that there's any chance they add another veteran to that group? Or do you think they're kind of running back with the same four? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, position group to sort of assess, right? Um, obviously, you know, they've got Derwin and Nas. Um, and, and Nas was up and down last year, but I think he was a much better player last year than he was the previous season in Gus Bradley's scheme. And I think he's only going to get better as he plays in the scheme more. Um, you know, behind them, it's interesting. You know, although he had some good moments and some bad moments, you know, that injury that he suffered when he collided with Derwin in the end zone, I think it was like week 13. He ended up missing yeah. like the next four or five games. Like that was a pretty significant. I don't know if you saw that. He, he said, yeah, he said on his Instagram that he tore his quad. Not surprising. Yeah, he was like very injured. I, I never got the details of exactly what the injuries that that does not surprise me at all. Like he was he was very, very injured. So that obviously derailed the season a bit. I think he had some positive moments before he suffered that injury. Um, and then Mark Webb was a non-factor last year, right? Ended up on yeah. IR. And you know, I remember the play that he, he sort of, you know, twists his ankle in, in, in training camp. And um, so, you know, they've got a decent group there. Mark Webb have some, has some flexibility. I think they obviously would have loved for Mark Webb to get more playing time last year so they could feel more comfortable about sort of what his profile would be in the defense. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they invested in safety, um, you know, maybe fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, something like that, bringing a guy um, with some real, uh, you know, special teams juice who could potentially impact that phase of the game as well. But you, you don't typically see a team go into a season with more than four safeties in the 53-man anyway. So you feel like, you know, you have your four guys there. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in someone else in one of those later round picks just to provide some competition um, for both Alohi Gilman um, and Mark Webb. But you bring up the dime point. I mean, they, there was a period of the season where they couldn't even play dime because they didn't have enough right. defensive backs. They just like literally couldn't play it because yeah. if they got if they like had one more injury in the, in the in the secondary, they like wouldn't be able to field a team. 
Um, so that like there was a, a, a two or three game stretch where they did not play a single snap of dime, which is obviously not what Brandon Staley wants to right. do. He wants to be as multiple as possible. He wants to throw out a bunch of different, um, you know, different personnel packages, um, different groupings as he would call it. And uh, yeah, so I think they like those four guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if they added some competition. to the mix. All right. Well, I, I guess my last question here, really something that I've been kind of puzzled about is the lack of, buzz around kaiser white do you think he is a potential re-sign do you think they kind of go like a cheap nick vigil route how do you see the linebacker room being improved this season and and is kaiser white in that picture yeah i mean if i was the Chargers, i'd be trying to re-sign him um he had a fantastic season last year like he's the one guy and i and i know you know you're a tape grinder like i am so i know that you know, you know that week after week, he's the guy that would show up. I mean, there would be a play or two where he'd just be sprinting sideline to sideline, just flatten somebody out. Um, and then also what he was able to do when Derwin went out to take over the green dot. Um, and then there was that one game where Derwin's, you know, helmet was malfunctioning and Kaiser yeah. took over. There's a lot of value there just in terms of how much he understands the defense and showing that type of leadership and control of the scheme to be able to go out there and, and be the signal caller. Um with that being said, you know, among these three guys, right, Justin Jones, Chen Nuos, who Kaiser White, the three, you know, big defensive free agents, I feel like if there was one guy who wasn't going to, wasn't going to be resigned, it would probably be Kaiser. And that's, has nothing to do with Kaiser because I think he's going to get a big contract of free agency. Like I would expect him to be in the seven, $8 million range, potentially more than that. Um, it's just that they, that's where they have the depth defensively. Like it's their deepest position group defensively is that linebacker. You don't re-sign Chenna, all of a sudden you have Joey Bosa and Chris Rump. That's your edge rushing group. Um, you don't that's sign true. Justin Jones. You don't re-sign Justin Jones. You have Jerry Tillery. Period. Like, that's it. That's all you have <laughs> on the defensive line. Yeah, no, that's the end of it. I mean, you know, Brandon Fajoko, Joe Gaziano, like those guys filled in nicely last year. But that you have Jerry, Jerry Tillery. That's it. So those guys seem more essential to bring back just because of the depth that you have in the roster. The linebacker group, I know, of, you know, Kenneth Murray has not played well, but at some point, you know, and, and last year he injured his ankle at the scrimmage and then he injured his ankle in practice. And then he was dealing with, with off the field stuff. Um, you know, his, his adopted brother passed away. And like, so we had a really tough year in a lot of different ways. Um, and so I think that impacted his play. You know, like I said, these guys are human beings. And you have to factor in all of that stuff when you're discussing how a player played. Um, right. So I think that there's belief internally that they can still get more out of Kenneth Murray. Can he be a three down linebacker? I don't know about that. I haven't seen that from him yet. Um, they have Drew Tranquil and then these two young guys last year. Um, you know, Nick Neiman's always going to be more of a of a special teams guy who will fill in at linebacker occasionally, but they really feel like Eamon Ogbogbomiga can be like a legitimate NFL player. Um, he's got to be much better in, in coverage. He has to yeah. improve in a lot of areas, but just his demeanor, um, his intelligence, his football IQ, like those things jump off the page. Um, and, you know, there was, I mean, you go back to training camp, he was getting on the field with the ones and dime packages. Um, and he was an undrafted free agent that, you know, at that point had, you know, only been practicing with the team for a few months. Right. So, you know, Kaiser was really important to this defense last year because it did go through some attrition at linebacker, but they have depth there. So I wouldn't be like overly surprised if they didn't resign Kaiser white, but at the same time, like the organizational philosophy is draft, develop and resign. It's why they reward these guys. Like they rewarded Keenan, Right, they rewarded Mike Williams. You can go down the list of the guys that they've rewarded. If they feel like a guy is performing at a super high level, they're going to reward him. But the salary cap is the salary cap, and if they feel like they don't have the space, they will let good homegrown players move on. And we saw that with Hunter Henry, where they just didn't have the space and, and they didn't feel like the value aligned um, with with what they thought of the player. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Kaiser. But because of that depth, I think there's a possibility 
um, that he would be the guy sort of left out of that group among those three big defensive players that are set to hit free agency when the new league year starts. Yeah, I mean, it, he was so good. It's going to be unfortunate to see him walk, but I, I do yeah. definitely kind of see where you're going there. Um, all right, that's going to do it for our time today, uh, Mr. Popper. What do you have coming up in the next couple of weeks that people can uh, look forward to? Yeah, I mean, free agency starts and I'll just be a content machine. So, um, you know, each signing the Chargers make, I'll have instant reaction. Um, and then for those of that have been a, a longtime subscribers, you know that I do a free agency reset every morning going over the moves the Chargers made, the moves the Chargers did not make. Um, I've got my cap sheet going, so I'll have a constant update on how much salary cap they have. I'll have running lists of, um, you know, the top 10 remaining free agents. So make sure you're tuned in to The Athletic all next week for free agency. I'll have every facet of free agency covered. Um, so, you know, tons of content coming out. So if you're bored at work, um, looking for some free agency stuff, I'll be constantly putting stuff out. So make sure you stay tuned to my Twitter at Daniel R. Popper and obviously theathletic.com slash team slash Chargers where you can find all my stories. There we go. It's, this is the the best time of the year if you're you're a, a content fiend like I am myself. So uh, <laughs> definitely go check out Daniel Popper's work. Daniel, we really appreciate all of your time for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.